Thanks for joining us for season five of the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders at Brand Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy. I'd like to introduce my brother from another mother, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the Restaurant Guy. And thanks for that introduction, Jimmy. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. And together, we are the personalities behind branded strategic hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. And Jimmy, we got a great show. Really great show. You have a great show. I got to tell you, this is a good one. We do. We do. And and I got to tell you, before we get into it, it's an anniversary. There's a big anniversary and a celebration. Ooh, what do we got? I don't know what the anniversary is, but I tell you, it's a celebration. (laughs) This I can tell you. It's a celebration. Forget the anniversary. No anniversary. Celebration. You know what the celebration is? I couldn't even guess. What do you got? It is a celebration of the branded marketplace. The branded marketplace is celebrating its 250th technology partner company onboarded onto the marketplace. This is a celebration. So if you have something to celebrate with, a glass of champagne or anything, hold it up and take a toast. Jimmy, you got to check out thebrandedmarketplace.com. We are loaded with now 250 of some of the best most creative, incredible solutions in technology in the hospitality space. So if you're an operator and you're looking for some great, if you're looking for the best solutions, big, small, thousand stores, two stores, one store, no stores, you got to go check out the marketplace because we're going to find a solution for you. If you're not on the marketplace and you want to become our 251st company, Jimmy, email me at marketplace at brandthestrategic.com. We will onboard you painlessly and seamlessly and get it on. And Jimmy, by the way, the cost to be on the marketplace, do you know what it cost? It's got to be expensive. This has got to be a lot of money. How much does it cost? You would, you, would, you would think. It was very expensive. You would think with all the inflation and everything like that, zero. That's right, zero. Zero to be on the marketplace, zero to use the marketplace, no cost whatsoever. Jimmy, how are we making money? Volume. <laughs> Volume. That's right, Jimmy. So now that I've made my shameless plug and celebration of 250 companies, Jimmy, take it back to you. Thank you very much. I got to say, if whoever does become number 251, uh, as, as the long-standing saying goes, you never forget your 251st time. You never forget that one. Okay. Never, let's never. Jump, you never forget that. All right, let's jump on in because we really do have an exciting episode today. Uh, we've really enjoyed uh, – we had a lot of guests. We've had a lot of guests we are, we're friends with, we're buddies with. We, we, we love what they do. Uh, this gentleman checks every single box imaginable. We have our guest today is Mr. Anand Gala. Not only is Anand the managing partner of Gala Capital Partners, he is also the chairman of Muya Burgers and the chairman of CC Pizza. So basically, it takes a Shatsi and a Jimmy, a finance guy and a restaurant guy, just to equal an Anand Gala. He is a finance guy and a restaurant guy all wrapped into one. Anand, uh, we'd love you to take the lead. Give us a little introduction on yourself and, of course, about Gala Capital and your restaurant network, my friend. Absolutely. Well, hey, let me first start off. I think I just heard Shatsi say he's loaded. So I'm not sure uh, if he's, I'm not sure how much he's been drinking before this show. I'm loaded with joy. I'm loaded with joy. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Shatsi's getting loaded before the program. I like where you went with that. Loaded. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, thanks for having me. It's really a pleasure. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. So uh, appreciate being here and having a great time already. That's the first time anyone's used that on our podcast. I love it. <laughs> you know, my, my, my background's a real simple one, guys. I, uh, I was put to work as child labor uh, by my mom, who actually became a franchisee of Jack in the Box when I was really young. 
Uh, she was the second franchisee ever, and uh, it was a family business. And as most folks in family businesses know, everybody's working in a family business. So weekends and and holidays and vacations and, you know, we were working and you figure it out and you do what you can, regardless of your age. Um, I hated it when I was doing it, but it was the best experience and education I could have gotten. Uh, so after college, joined the family, joined the family business and, and really dove right in. Uh, to simplify the background, you know, became a franchisee myself of Applebee's and Del Taco and uh, subsequently Famous Dave's Barbecue, built out a bunch of markets for them across the, the West and Southwest. And, and then uh, sometime after 2010 to 14, started exiting those businesses and I became a full-time investor. And I, I try to take all of the lessons learned, the experiences I had and put it to work in interesting brands, what we call adolescent brands that are past proof of concept, uh, as well as technology. Because what I've seen happen over the last 20 years is that technology, like it or not, keeps creeping in and playing a bigger and bigger role in everything that has to do with the restaurant business, let alone any other business. I mean, I got to tell you, Anan, I think you're being very humble. Uh, chairman of Muya Burgers, you got Famous Dave's, you got CeCe's Pizza. I mean, you were the youngest, if I'm not mistaken, the youngest uh, owner of an Applebee's at age 25. And I think if, uh, if my notes here are correct, you were the youngest employee at Jack in the Box at nine years old. So, I mean, that's unbelievable. I mean, so I don't know how many restaurants you, you, you are under your belt. I mean, it's got to be a couple thousand. Well, wow, we're How has we're getting there. We're getting there. It's about just just under five hundred all in. Well, I'm going with a thousand. Okay, I'm sticking a thousand right. sounds really cool. So <laughs> well over a thousand restaurants. And how was your past experience as you start at Jack in the Box? I remember you told me you were standing on a milk crate at nine years old. Uh, your mom put you to work, and she said if you didn't work, she wasn't giving you any food. I made that up. But <laughs> how was your past experience as an operator? made you now you're you're an investor in all over the place. I mean, you got your hands in a lot of cookie jars and we'll get into it. But how has it made you a, a how did you come to this? You know, it's really interesting. So, I think when you go through a lot of different challenging experiences in your life, and in particular for me, you know, starting early, we've seen a lot. So, it was the dot com bust in 2000. Then it was 9/11 a year or two later. Then it was the recession in 2007 and 8. And then most recently, it's been COVID. And I think what you learn, having gone through some significant shocks to the cycle and to the business, is where the vulnerabilities are, where the opportunities are, and where you can do a better job. And it's not just for your own business, but you realize when you talk to friends and family and, and others in the industry that everybody's going through the same thing you are. And it just got me thinking, there were a lot of people that froze up. They needed a good partner. They didn't know where to turn. They didn't have anybody they could trust. Um, and they didn't know how to work themselves through these challenging times, how to prepare themselves to potentially minimize or mitigate or avoid these challenging times. And it just got me thinking, boy, I can do a whole lot more. I can add more value and help more people by being an investor, being a partner with some folks that are really struggling or are challenged uh, at different parts of their business. And that's what really got me excited. That's what really drives me today. 
I think that is awesome. And, uh, and I'm sorry I was slow to jump in. Um, I had child services on the other line. And I was trying to tell them there's nothing to see here. And while I'm not a lawyer, I don't play it was one a on long TV, time ago, Jimmy. The statute of limitations is over. So, uh, <laughs> Dalla and uh, Jack in the Box, you're off the hook on the, uh, the, on the, on the labor laws. You're, you're okay. Um, listen, I, wanna, I do want to jump in because um, uh, while I love everything you've been sharing and, and I feel I uh, – we're getting to know one another and, and, and kind of your contribution to this industry. I want to get a better understanding of who you are. So I'm going to simply just ask, when it comes to hospitality and investing, what is your superpower? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I love the way you phrased it, too, because I think everybody has a superpower. Most people don't think of it in those terms. They always think about, well, here's an area I can do better. I can get better. You know, this is my weakness. And I think more people need to play to their superpower. Candidly, I think that my superpower is I'm more of a jack of all trades um, and maybe a master of none. And in some cases, that's a weakness. In other cases, that's a superpower. And what I mean by that is I've done enough and I've learned enough across a lot of different disciplines, whether it's operations, finance, HR, real estate and development, uh, accounting, I've essentially done a little bit of everything for a couple of years minimum each time. So if you think of the 10,000 hours, I got like 100,000 hours invested, but across 10 different things. And so I'm pretty darn good at a lot of different things, and I can help a lot of people figure things out. So maybe the best way to put it is more of a Swiss Army knife than a, uh, a giant hatchet. Oh, nice. Shatsy, we love Swiss Army Nice. No, I was going to say so. I mean, so, so you got superpowers. It seems like you, you know a little about a lot. I like to think I know a little about a lot, Jimmy. You know, hey, I feel like I know a little bit about a lot. You know, a little, Jimmy, you know a lot about a lot. Yeah, you know, know, I know a you know what? About I was, was going to make a joke at your expense since you were just so nice to me. I'll simply say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, listen, it's great. So, so you're a jack of all trades. You know a little about a lot. Um, and I got to tell you, you just compared yourself to a Swiss Army knife. So let's talk a little about that. What exactly does that mean that you're a Swiss Army knife? Yeah. So if, if you need some help in finance, you got issues with your balance sheet, you're not sure how to uh, refinance your business or grow your business, I'll step in and, and my team and I can help with finance. If you're trying to figure out site selection and modeling, you've never done that before. You just sort of throw a stone and see where it lands. And that's where you built a store and it's been hit and miss. You know, we can bring in uh, some expertise around that. And I've done quite a bit of real estate development, building restaurants. If you need help around accounting and simplifying the accounting or outsourcing the accounting or automating the accounting, uh, you know, how to bring technology into aspects of all of these different facets, that's an area that we can add a lot of value. Um, and then let's take some of the more basic things, you know, that are that are tried and true in the restaurant business, like operations and marketing. Um, everybody thinks that they know operations, but candidly, there's always something all of us can learn about operations. And how are you using technology? How are you simplifying things? Um, and the same is true with marketing, right? And, and, and marketing, everybody thinks it's about impressions. But what it's really about is how you can specifically measure the impact of marketing. Is that sales? Is that traffic? It's not as nebulous as people think. And usually people will think things are hard so that maybe they don't have to be held accountable to them. They think things are complicated. The reality is the more you simplify, the better off you are and the easier it is to drive accountability and results. And that's where I can bring a unique perspective 
in how to look at a problem and break it down into its simplest components and help people understand here are the three to five things you really ought to be working on rather than the 50 things that you think you ought to be working on. That's how I, I think we, we, we look at the business. Well, I got to tell you, Jimmy, I misspoke. Anand, you know a lot about a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot about a lot. No, I, I also, I appreciate I appreciate that uh, how you just broke it down and, and, and you embraced an important word, um, simple. And it's, it's, and, and I think no one should underestimate the power of that word. A, uh, a smart person can, ex- can explain a, a difficult and complex topic uh, to another uh, smart person, but a truly intelligent one can explain it to anyone. Um, and I think that is the importance of keeping things simple. So we uh, branded subscribe to the kiss theory, keep it simple, Sally, um, because at the end of the day, um, you know, we know people are, are highly motivated to try to keep complexity in areas. It's somehow they feel they're defending their turf, but the fact is transparency, good communication and, and keeping it simple, we think is, is a critical part of what you do so well, um, and how, what much we've seen you help some of the folks you're getting behind, um, whether it's with your capital, whether it's your advice, strategic thinking or otherwise, um, I want to get into my favorite topic, um, and it's finance and specifically best in class unit economics. I was a mouthful. So Anand, what does best in class unit economics look like and what contributes to it? That's a great question. You know, I I think that, uh, boy, following up on your topic of simplicity, I, I think is exactly what drives best in class unit economics. The more you complicate things, the harder it is to drive best in class unit economics. And if you want to grow a brand, it's got to have really unique attributes. It's got to make a lot of sense to the people that are putting the money up and have to do all the work. And so if your franchisees or your your operators are not making money and making a lot of money, then you're just digging the hole deeper. You're not getting ahead of things. So best-in-class unit economics to me are, if it's a non-franchised concept, You've got to be 20% store level EBITDA or better. And if you're a franchise concept, after royalties, you got to be at 15% unit level economics or better. Now, if you can gap those two, those two categories up by 5%, then you are in the top 5% of well-run, very profitable restaurants. That's unbelievable. I mean, that's, that's, those are some impressive numbers for sure. Let's talk a little bit about Domino's for a minute. We're going to change gears a little bit and talk in Domino's. Not because we love Domino's pizza, and Jimmy does. He's always getting Domino's. While we've always um, – Jimmy and I have I joked – Domino's. Yeah, who doesn't love Domino's? I mean, in college, we all had Domino's. Okay. We jokingly refer to Domino's as a technology company. Jimmy and I have talked about that a lot. You know, in the past, we've always said it's really a technology company. It's not a restaurant. But I got to tell you, we're not that far off base. I've recently done a little research – and it looks like 50% of Domino's corporate employees are, in fact, engineers. They're not chefs. They're engineers, Jimmy. Did you know that? Jimmy didn't I, know that. I, You're dropping knowledge yet. I didn't know that. You're dropping knowledge. I am knowledge. dropping knowledge. knowledge. Well, now, Nod, my question to you is I'd love to hear your thoughts on restaurants as technology companies because I got to tell you something. When I think about some of these restaurants today, it's it's data, it's technology, and it's it's – I'm not saying it's less about the food, but certainly technology is really, really a big component now. Hey, guys, I'll acknowledge Domino's has done a great job with technology, but come on, the pizza? 
I got to get you guys some CCs. You're missing out. It's the best we've ever well, had. I was, wait, I was waiting you for the drop the CCs. Come on That's, now. I was like, I wanted you. 100%. Come on. No, seriously, though, I, I, I think Domino's is a great company. I think that they've done amazingly with what they've done over the last 10, 15 years. About five years ago, before Patrick Doyle uh, retired, I had a chance to get up there and spend a little time with him. And uh, we, we visited him at their uh, global world headquarters. And uh, candidly, there was at least 300 people in the, there's 700 people in the building. 300 of them were in, were in the IT department or, or engineering uh, and technology department. And they really, really understand the consumer and how to design technology for the consumer. But more important than that, they take it a step further and they design the technology for the operator of the restaurants, because there's a ton of different things you can do to drive a lot of sales into the funnel. But if the restaurant can't execute, it didn't matter. You're just going to piss off a bunch of customers and you can't execute. Mm -hmm. So they take a very holistic approach. And I am fascinated by what they do and how they do it. It is remarkable. Now, that being said, you asked, what do I think about restaurant companies becoming technology companies? Well, if you think that you can just buy a bunch of companies and suddenly you're a technology company, boy, have you got a lot to learn. We've all seen this movie. You know, some company says, hey, I'm going to go buy uh, XYZ technology company. And now I'm a technology company that sells hamburgers. Well, that's not true mm-hmm. because if you don't really have the right orientation in your culture, in thinking about how technology plays a strategic role, then you can buy all the tech companies you want and it ain't gonna change you one bit. You're still gonna be the same old restaurant company. This is something that I think is fascinating. I'd love to get your guys' perspectives on this because everywhere I look in all the different trade magazines, there's a news article popping up that so-and-so bought a drive-through technology company and -and so-and-so bought a marketing technology company. And I'm not so sure that those were great investments. That's really interesting. And we're definitely going to talk more about that as we go. I got to tell you, I um, I never had to apologize or defend my decision to order Domino's in college because that was very popular. I've been taken to the woodshed when it came to New York City and ordering Domino's. And I did it, Jerry. I did it. I, I'm even getting the Domino's right freaking now. <laughs> I just <laughs> I was going to say I had to defend and almost apologize for being a New York City native, living in New York and ordering Domino's. And by the way, I'm holding it up. I just got a Domino's right now. Uh, oh, so do you guys, wow. do you guys, where's the CC's, Jimmy? Where's the CC's? Oh, you got to talk to our producer. But So I got to tell you, I'm happy to do a, tea, a, a pizza tasting of CC's any day of the week. Don't threaten me with a good time. 100%. I'll show up. But meanwhile, I got a hot. Oh, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. We're going to make this happen. I got a hot. Doing it. I got a hot, fresh Domino's right now. I'm sorry. This segment is sponsored by Domino's. Okay. Listen, um, you were touching on a topic of, you know, restaurant companies and becoming technologists and whatnot. Could, could, you know, all kidding aside, how should brands and technologists be thinking about the future of the restaurant business. These two industries, these two segments have to come together like chocolate and peanut butter, like 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 pizza sauce and cheese. Uh, all right, I'll stop with the analogies. Um, but kidding aside, how should brands and technology? Yeah, I don't think the pizza sauce and cheese. I never heard that yeah, one. Before, yeah, let's, yeah, let's uh, let's yeah, I, my, my bad. All right, but seriously, uh, brands, technologists, how should they be thinking about the future of the restaurant business? 
Yeah, that's look great, great, great. You guys are full yeah. of great questions. I haven't heard a bad one yet. My goodness, it's like you guys have done this before. Fifth season, and I think we may be renewed for season six. Uh, it's still questionable. <laughs> still questionable. They may not want us back. <laughs> the, the way I think about it, and and what I uh, tell others is always think about what is the problem you're solving and for whom are you solving it. And so most technologists within restaurant companies uh, have not really been given the mandate, let alone the opportunity to really think strategically about the business. Uh, most folks, unfortunately, are treated as if they're simply just uh, an IT person keeping the lights on and, and keeping the, you know, the printer running in the office or, or in the restaurant. But instead, they really need to sort of flip the script and say, hey, I've got a seat at the table where the decisions are being made. Now, if that's the case, you got to contribute at that level. You just you just don't get the seat just for sake of getting the seat. So you got to be somebody that can say, hey, I've sort of boiled the ocean. I know what's out there. Here's where the customers are going to be. Here's where they are today. Here's where they're going. Here's where they're going to be in the future. And so I would say, you know, think about some of the really interesting, uh, innovative brands that are doing a great job with this. Uh, for example, Chipotle. They're building out a virtual world and a virtual restaurant. Then uh, there are others that have enabled the ability, you know, Daiki, come back to Domino's. They've enabled the, the ability to place an order with an emoji uh, via text or within Slack or within Roblox, uh, you know, some of these uh, virtual worlds and online games. And that's great from a consumer perspective. Secondarily, you got to think, where's the world headed with, you know, if you want to open more stores and we got challenges in labor, let's assume that we don't get back to the number of people participating in the labor force as we had pre-pandemic. I mean, you got to remember mm -hmm. 700,000 people died. They're, I'm pretty sure they're not coming back. Um, and some of those I folks- I, would, you know, I wouldn't make, think so. Exactly, exactly. So you know, we, we have to prepare ourselves for what the future may be. And I think if you think about it that way, there are great places where you can look for examples. I think Western Europe has been dealing with these challenges for a long time. Most countries in Western Europe have got negative population growth. The rents are really high. Uh, you know, what do you do? So they've got central commissaries that manufacture or, or prepare most of the foods. They, they deliver everything to these small shops in the, in the trade areas, uh, you know, the high street. And, uh, you know, it's, it's actually gone really well. So they've got small boxes that are super efficient, very profitable. Um, I think you got to think about automation. I think robotics are coming. You know, you got to find a way to solve for some of these challenges. So that's that's how I think about it. That's where I would tell you know other technologists look to e-commerce, look to retail, look to omni-channel. You know, and then think about the back end. How do you simplify, simplify, simplify? I love it. I love it, and I well, appreciate simple again, Jim. Well, it's well, simple. Everything is simple today. We got a little competition going. Uh, the word Jack as in jack-in-the-box or jack-of-all-trades in the word simple. A little competition. I was betting on simple, and I think I'm way ahead of the game. Shatsy bet on jack is the most popular word of the podcast. Listen, we want to move on to our talking back section because uh, Shatsy and I never uh, – we could never be spoken back to enough. Uh, no, we started the podcast because we, we enjoy having guests come on the show. We enjoy asking them questions, hearing them views. But along the way, we learn that sometimes our guests have questions for us. Uh, so our producer created the uh, talking back. We offer our guests the chance to ask us questions. I like to say nothing is off the table. Anon, the microphone is yours, my friend. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, guys, I, I want to circle back to a question you asked me, and I really want to get your thoughts and opinions 
because you see so much technology. What do you guys think about restaurant companies buying tech companies? And how does this how does this end? Do they do a good job? Does it work out or does it not? I'm immediately defaulting to finance guy on this. Oh, you like what I did there, Jimmy? It's a, a great well, listen, I I see actually you, you you jumped out ahead of me. You're making me speak first. Uh, let me, by the way, I'm going to play a game of Carson. Johnny Carson predicts Shatsy's uh, when he takes over the mic. We'll say the word ditto. But anyway, let me let me jump in with that and attempt to answer this question. I believe, Anon, that there is no one size fits all. And by all means, there is an opportunity for restaurants to be um, unbelievable investors um, and even acquirers of, of good tech companies. I also believe there's a path for them being good customers or clients or affiliates of very good tech companies. My sense is, is that what sits, what really delineates between the two decisions a company needs to make is really their DNA and, and their commitment to the tech stack, as you said. It's not just about slapping things together. It's not just about following what's the hottest tech and, 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 and deploying capital. If you're a restaurant company and you have a culture, do you have a sales culture? I hope you have a customer kind of um, you know success culture and, 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 uh, and really engagement culture. But if it's gonna come to tech, if you're not prepared to invest in really an integrated stack that is aligned with your business and really commit to it, my, my recommendation is, be a great friend to this industry, and there's a lot of good tech companies out there that have bundled solutions, integrated solutions, and I think could take very good care of you. You don't have to own it. When I started in the hospitality business, our partner Dino uh, gave me a suggestion. I once walked in, loved the restaurant, told Dino about it. He said, Jimmy, sometimes it's good just to be a customer. We didn't need to own it. We just got to enjoy it. And I think that little tidbit could serve some restaurant companies very well by saying, you don't need to own everything you do. You may just prove to be a good ally and a good user of the tech. But again, if your culture is different and Domino's has proved it, and I learned a lot in this call about Domino's, particularly about how much headcount is dedicated to engineering and, 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 the, and the tech side of the business, I think there's a clear example of a company that has a culture that could truly invest and be partners and own the tech. Chatsy? To you, my friend. You know, I'm not going to say ditto, but I got to be honest with you. I agree 100%. I think I would just add to that. I think being a good customer is is really key. And I think, you know, listen, maybe as a defensive measure, maybe a, a restaurant business could invest in the company to prevent that technology from going uh, exclusively to a competitor, which we've seen before but maybe not owning it, maybe just investing, and maybe that protects the uh, the restaurant business because there is a lot of competition out there. But Jimmy, as usual, you are so articulate, you are so fantastic, and that's why you are the finance guy. Uh, <laughs> let's talk tech stack right now, okay? Top of the tech stack, we touched a lot on technology today. Anand, if you had to recommend to our fellow operators out there, the most important technology that you have to have right now as an operator, what would the one tech be that you say, look, you got to have this guy right now. It's got to be on the top of your tech stack. What is it? Yeah, look, hey, great, great question, guys. I like to focus on the things that make money and don't change very often. So I'm more of a back office, back end, the things that make money while everyone's sleeping. Um, you know, the, the marketing stuff changes so fast. The, the customer facing stuff, whether it's a kiosk and suddenly now it's a pocket kiosk essentially on your phone, all these things are changing too fast for me. 
I'm just not that smart, that sharp of a guy. So I need things that work when I'm dull. And that's going to be the stuff like uh, repair and maintenance automation and, and management software or back office software or POS software, labor management and forecasting software. You know, that that's the kind of technology that I think really is tried and true. And you're going to get three to five years solid use out of it before there's any real material change. And we know that all of us are so darn busy every day that it just takes us time to learn new things and implement it and get it going and then get some juice out of it. So that's the way that I think about it. I love it. I got to tell you, that was that's a good answer. That is a really good answer. Jimmy's going to steal that from you, by the way. Uh, I'm not going to steal it. Actually, I'm going to say just one one tidbit, though. When when a gentleman before they give an answer of, hey, look, I'm I'm not that smart. I'm just a simple man, blah, blah, blah. Pay attention because you're about to hear something really freaking smart. I put that up there along the lines with if you see a bald guy with mushroom ears, don't mess with him. Mushroom ears is a tell. <laughs> Do not mess with guys with mushroom ears. And when somebody says, ah, I'm not that bright, just not that smart, you know what? Pay attention. You're about to get something really smart. Okay. Uh, it's time for a crystal ball moment, a chance for all of our guests to put on their Kreskin and Miss Cleo hats and predict the future. So, Anand, how do you see restaurants and dining two years from now in relation to hospitality and tech? Boy, I, I, I love these questions. I think, look, two years from now, I think that hospitality is making a big comeback, and that's what becomes a differentiator. It's going to be driven by experiential businesses and brands. So it's places where you get a great deal of service, and you get treated like a king or a queen. You really feel like, wow, they really loved me a lot. They really appreciated me being here. Um, I think that's the differentiating factor. I think technology becomes very pervasive in every single form and format of restaurants two years from now. And it has been, uh, I, let me think about this. I heard this saying, nothing has changed, but everything has been accelerated. That was Jimmy's line. That's Jimmy's line. <laughs> Jimbo, you're famous. You're famous, Jimmy. I'm not, I'm not famous. I, I didn't know, I know who said that, but it just sticks in my head. <laughs> Jimmy, people are quoting you. People are quoting you. Jimbo. Really smart, successful people are quoting me, and Angawa just quoted me. I, I mean, like that's it. unbelievable. All right, everyone, oh, that's a wrap. Thanks very, thanks very much. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you're not gonna, Jimmy. I got to tell you, it's very hard to shut Jimmy up. I think not. I think you may have just shut up quoting Jimmy. That's unbelievable. He's gonna be talking about <laughs> Mike drop to Jimmy. Oh, Mike drop. He's gonna be. I'm going for dinner with him tonight. And I'm not gonna hear the end of this. You know, we had Anangala on the podcast. This guy's really a super genius. He quoted me. He quoted me. Everybody, not gonna hear the end of this. But I got to tell you, Anand, I love it. I got quoted. No, I just was gonna say, I love it because as operators here in New York City, we are not in the fast casual. QSR. We are in the fine dining experiential. And for you to say that, it really, I love it because I think, you know, people do love to go out for dinner. They do love to engage and and hang out. And uh, and we've got some really great experiential dining uh, place here in the city. So I agree with everything you're saying. But across the board, uh, to get someone outside of their, off their couch uh, and away from their 85-inch Samsung and Netflix and everything else, it's going to have to be something special. I agree with you 100%. Jimbo, anything else to comment on Crystal Ball or can I take it right into the brand of Quickfire? Chatsy, I know, I know what you've been waiting for. And ladies and gentlemen, always everyone's favorite segment, and it belongs to Mr. Schatzberg, the branded quickfire. The branded quickfire. Here we go. Anand, I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions. Don't think too hard. Just give us the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> favorite day of the week. <laughs> Monday, Monday, Monday. I like it. Where are you getting dinner from tonight? 
I'm heading out with some friends to a place. Uh, I happen to be here in Dallas today, and we're going to Taverna at uh, Legacy West. Sounds sounds Greek. Is it Greek? It's a uh, it's a Mediterranean, so it's got Greek, Italian. It's fantastic. It's a it's a mom and pop place, but they do just an amazing job. Love it, Jimmy. Put that in our notes for next Dallas trip. Favorite food city of the world? Singapore. You get a little bit of everything. It's a melting pot, very similar to Chicago, L.A., and New York. It's just an amazing place. Got to get there. Favorite place to travel? You know, I I do love Asia. I think there's so much going on. And if you want to know where the world is headed for the next 100 years, spend a week traveling through Asia. It is amazing. Imagine this. We're invited to participate in an escape room. You can choose either Jimmy or I to be your partner. Who do you choose as your partner to have the best odds of escaping? Oh boy. Guys, I'm, I'm guys, come on. This is a layup. This is an easy one. It's got to be Shatsy. Oh, 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 look at that, Jimbo. Look at if, I need, if I need somebody who's going to figure it out on the fly, it's the restaurant guy because he's dealing with 50 problems at the same time. Oh, Jimmy! Oh, boy. Look at that. Oh, I got to tell you. Thank you, Anand. I got to tell you, I'm blown out of the water. I appreciate it. And let me tell you, that segment was sponsored by CC's Pizza, <laughs> the best darn pizza, and Muya Burger, and Famous Dave's, and whatever, and Jack in the Box. That's what that was sponsored by. Thank you, Anand. Jimmy, that's, take it over. That's fair. I, I respect that. I don't agree with it, but I respect it. But also say <laughs> that, 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 that I want to recognize that of, of, of five-plus seasons of the podcast, we should recognize Shazzy getting his, I think, his third win in that, in that category. Uh, yeah, you, you I never think I won naked, naked, uh, naked, 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 uh, naked twister, naked, I think naked I won. twister, and we tied one. Because <laughs> no one else showed up to that one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well done. We'll recognize, we'll recognize the win. You never forget your third time there, Shazzy. All right. Uh, Anam, right. we want to thank you so much for joining us uh, on the podcast. Guys, it's been a pleasure. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, we appreciate your hard work supporting the industry. And really, you've been a pleasure um, to work with and to strategize with. And, and we look forward to a long uh, and prosperous run with you. Uh, if you want to get in touch um, with Anon directly, you can email the branded team. As our listeners know, we don't we no longer give out cell phones or personal email addresses. That was frowned upon in season one. So you can email podcast at brandedstrategic.com. That's podcast at brandedstrategic.com. And we'd be happy to make the introduction. Uh, to our listeners, uh, we always want to recognize and thank you for tuning in with us. We know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and the fact that you choose to hang out with us is something we appreciate, value, and we never take for granted. Uh, please join us next week as we welcome our guest, Joel Montanel, founder and CEO of Seven Rooms. That is going to be a good time. Uh, and if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast. You don't miss out on any exciting uh, guests we'll be having in the future, and better yet, invite a friend to hang out with us the next time. So again, a big thank you uh, to our friend uh, Anon for everything. Uh, and until next time, uh, this is Jimmy Frishing, your finance guy, signing off and passing it back to Mr. Schatzberg. And thank you, Jimmy. And thank you to everybody out there uh, listening to the Hospitality Hangout. This is the restaurant guy, a.k.a. Shatsy. And check out CC's Pizza, everybody. Thank you, Anon. Thanks, guys. Take care. Have a great day. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.